This is the Cine Snob Podcast. Welcome to episode 155 of the Cine Snob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. We are uh, under uh, home isolation, Cody. Yeah. Um, we typically uh, um, are in person uh, recording this podcast between smooches. But. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, normally we record this from our. I got to tell city. you, Jared, it's killing me. To be. <laughs> <laughs> I miss it. I miss your face. Um, no, we're recording this from our own homes anyway. But this is um, for future generations that find this. Um, we're in the middle of the great uh, coronavirus uh, lockdown of the United States and the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you are discouraged from um, large public gatherings. Um, or, you know, just kind of going to the store and acting like a maniac, which is the good old fashioned American way <laughs> to go, um, you know, hoard toilet paper or whatever. Um, I, I will confess that I, I did buy toilet paper, um, uh, a few days ago because we needed it, but I felt like a real asshole doing it because everyone yeah, made it into a huge thing. It's weird to 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 go to the store like i went on thursday i think yeah and um and like get like i must have looked crazy but i was i literally had no food in my apartment <laughs> so I, I was literally stocking up on food but i i was self-conscious the entire way through i was like oh man people think i'm the doomsday prepper <laughs> and i was very much not just getting food for a couple well weeks. i mean it might have been the shotgun that you had with you too yeah, and I was wearing a full hazmat suit. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, you work from home anyway, right? I do. Yeah. Oh, so, so it's business as usual for you. Yeah, for sure. I, I, so I'm I'm haven't been super affected by it. I decided not. So I was gonna. I think we were both maybe thinking about seeing the hunt uh, this week. Oh or, yeah. Uh, or uh, or and I was maybe gonna see Bloodshot too. And I I just decided I'm not gonna mess with it right now. I'm you know I'm. It's a tough place to be in, right? Because you, I'm not to get too much in the weeds on it, but I, I feel like, um, you know, even if you're not super afraid of it, if you're not in the demographic that it's super deadly to, the rate of spread and and the just, you know, the general con- how contagious it is is enough to I think give anyone pause. And I also don't trust the 16 year olds at Regal to be sanitizing <laughs> everything. Uh, as much as they say, so I kind of well. Most know. most notably, you don't want to be the the asshole that uh, that that gets it and then like kills like nine old people with it. Exactly. Ex- that is that has been my main concern the entire time. Is like I don't I don't want to be the one who went out to go see uh, Bloodshot <laughs> in theaters and then it contributed to the death of the elderly. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, my wife is going to be working from home. I, I'm not, so she is taking to it like a duck to water. She's, it's like her dream come true to work from home. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, um, so as you mentioned, uh, we, we had not headed out to the, to movies this week. Um, I believe, uh, Bloodshot and The Hunt were the only two things opening wide. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, since this happened and since we recorded last week, I believe everything has gone off the radar for the next two months, at least. 
Yeah, so back when we talked last week, I think the only thing that had formally moved off the schedule was uh, No Time to Die, the Bond movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And since then, we have seen like a cascade of movies get moved off of the schedule. Um, I think the the, the first one that happened, I believe, that was major profile was was A Quiet Place 2, because that was set to open next weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And A Quiet Place 2 got moved back, and that doesn't have a date. And then the bombshell dropped of uh, F9, uh, Fast and the Furious 9, which moved back an entire year, uh, which was staggering, uh, I think, news for a lot of people. Um, and then, of course, um, some other stuff. Uh, Mulan got uh, got pushed, um, which was set to open on the 27th. Uh, poor New Mutants <laughs> got moved <laughs> again, off the again. again. Yeah, Mulan and uh, New Mutants don't have a scheduled release date, right? No, they don't. In fact, I think the only thing with an actual scheduled release date that's high profile is F9, because even A Quiet Place 2, um, which was set to open in five days, um, doesn't have anything. Um, So, uh, you know, really, I was looking at the schedule, and basically every major um, wide release has been pushed off. Uh, The next wide release coming out is April 17th. Uh, excuse me, April 10th, which is Trolls World Tour. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, April 17th is uh, is My Spy. And then um, and then uh, and then a few movies um, on the 24th. And then Black Widow is May 1st. So yeah, I'm curious I, how I, we'll go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I don't think that we've seen the last of uh, of the scheduled moves. Yeah, I, I'm I'm wondering where we'll be when it, when it comes time for Black Widow. Um, I mean, this is really, uh, you know, seriously uncharted waters when it comes to sort of shutting down uh, American leisure activities uh, with with uh, movies being postponed, um, all the sports leagues shut down, uh, and then uh, um, interestingly, um, from what I've read, all theaters. Seemingly the biggest theater chains remaining open for now, uh, but then limiting capacity. So you mm-hmm. can only ever fill a theater half full. Which, yes, uh, some are doing alternating rows. Some are doing I, – I know I was – I just kind of checked the app because a lot of uh, – like Regal doesn't have it in its app. But Santico's here locally literally has seats blocked off. So like there's two seats and then like a seat or two blocked off and then another two seats. So they're they're creating distances um, within the theater, um, within the app. And then I know that some are just limiting the capacity to fifty percent. It's it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. And then because I mean there's no wide releases for a month now, and um, and it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not movie theaters stay open. I mean you know what what happens to 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 theaters when they're playing, you know, I still believe for the <laughs> third week in a row, and that's it. You know, it's, they're it's still be... just they're still just cranking out Sonic the Hedgehog showings. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. It's it's strange. And I mean, the obviously the thing that's going to flourish and shine here is uh, at home streaming, mm-hmm. uh, which you know wisely hasn't announced any. Uh, um, you know any cancellations just even uh disney moving stuff up such as uh frozen 2 already being available as of today sunday on disney plus right that was moved up three months 
and uh, uh, and Rise of Skywalker. Um, I thought uh, we we talked about this. I thought it was moving to Disney Plus, but it's just digitally available to rent. That's right. Yes, as opposed to being, um, uh, I think later this month. I think the thirty first is when it was supposed to I, be released. I think that's right. Yeah, and actually, even uh, the movie we're talking about today, Big Time Adolescence, was supposed to come out on Hulu next week, and they moved it up one week. Um, to this oh, weekend, yeah. which is interesting because it ended up being a day and date then because it also came out in theaters this weekend. Um, but I highly doubt that it's making any kind of dent in the box office. I mean, <laughs> they said that, I think they said that this was the lowest box office week since like the nineties, um, or weekend, God. I should say. Um, God. so, you know, it's making a big impact and, and, and I think we talked about this privately, but, um, I would be interested to see if something like new mutants that's been moved and much maligned at this point, if they slap it on Hulu or they put it on VOD or they take yeah. some of these maybe mid-sized releases, take advantage of the open movie landscape and just toss it on uh, on VOD or for rental like they did with something like The Interview um, and see if they can make some decent box office from it. I mean, at this point, like you said, it's it's uncharted territory. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. The, the summer blockbuster movie series as we know it could be completely ruined um and uh and it's and it's interesting and even like this could affect uh future releases too because they've halted production on things like uh the batman has halted production the little mermaid for disney has halted production mm-hmm. um you know in a, in a series of other i mean basically every major studio that is filming right now um has shut down for at least two weeks so the ramifications of of this ultimate shutdown of the world is going to be uh, interesting to see uh, from a from a cinematic perspective for sure. Yeah, I kind of feel like maybe uh, um, we've been through it a little bit before with the writers' strike in two thousand eight. Um, that shut down a lot of TV though, so this might be the opposite end of that. Uh, or and it turned out some terrible movies like Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, and TV's being really hurt. So bar- both of the Marvel uh, shows were shut down, Loki mm-hmm. and um, WandaVision. But also, apparently, it's really impacting pilot season, where yeah. a lot of pilots are being shut down as well. And, and so, it, you know, it, obviously, there are bigger fish to fry uh, in the grand scheme of all things. But, um, you know, as be- this being a movie podcast, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting focus point. And I think... Um, like I said, I am interested to see if this is kind of, in some ways, the birth of VOD being a viable release option. Because, I mean, that's I mean, especially if the quarantine gets more intense and it's and it's you know it's shut down in a way that like Italy is right now, um, people are going yeah. to be going nuts with stuff to do and watch and and do in, inside their homes. And I think that that's when, you know, entertainment can take on a different life in a way. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the 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 intent of releasing Frozen two uh, three months early was specifically this, so you could you could have something to keep your kids occupied mm-hmm. for whatever lies ahead this week and beyond. But I, it'd be interesting to see how you know if this lasts through April May, if this this if there's some sort of way that this would shift to. You know, maybe the Trolls World Tour film uh, premieres on VOD or or even Netflix or something else that 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 everyone's got in their home. It's just an interesting thing to see what might happen with due to that because you know TV is still cranking on. People are still streaming Netflix and everything, but eventually it's going to get old. 
And if this thing, you know, public gatherings here in Austin have been suspended 250 people and up through May 1st. So there's, you know, event wise, there's there's not a lot going to happen here. You know, that pretty much covers uh, any kind of show you'd take your kid to or even adult stuff like Moon Tower. Um, so, yeah, I'm again, it's t- completely uncharted territory and, uh, you know, like that's uh, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. That's the most thing. That's the thing I compare it to. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Good one. So, you know, uh, it, I think the interesting thing, too, when, when we were watching this kind of unfold through the week, I thought the most interesting one was A Quiet Place 2 um, because that was one where they had already spent all of the marketing budget, basically. You know, that was that was a week and a half away when it got called off. Um, and that was a super... I think that was the tipping point for me when I knew that, that like that things were going to be changing in a, in a big way. And, and really what incentive does a movie theater have to stay open right now? I mean, uh, they're, they're not going to, they're going to not going to be making money. They're going to have a bunch of empty show times and there's no new, I mean, literally no, the only thing that, that might thrive, so to speak, if people are going to disobey and go out in public are indie theaters because limited release movies are, are um, by and large still coming out. Um, but the, you know, those are coming out on VOD at the same time as well. So like a movie like Swallow that opened this week, um, that we're not covering here also opened on VOD. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I have no idea. I don't know what we're going to do either. <laughs> um, especially, if, <laughs> I mean, I, I, we, there's plenty of VOD to cover. And I also, um, in the midst of the cancellation of South by Southwest have been watching screeners, um, and plan to do a little bit of coverage on CineSnob for some of the stuff that stands out just to provide as much or any support as you can to, you know, it, it was interesting it, as for a little bit of inside baseball, um, shortly after it was canceled, um, a lot of publicists are still seeking coverage for, for the movies that they were covering. And it, unfortunately it's also led to cancellations of other festivals that they were, cause Seattle was very shortly after this, um, which also got canceled. So I am eight screeners deep into South by Southwest stuff, and uh, we'll see how far that continues to go. <laughs> and we'll, we're, we plan on uh, you and I ramping up our other podcast, ReMCU, where we can rewatch the Marvel Cinematic stuff. Um, yeah. And there may be some, um, who knows what will get dropped here and there on these streaming services uh, between now and then. But, you know, we'll... Uh, <laughs> We'll uh, we'll keep reviewing whatever p- pops up if if we can get it. So I mean, shit, we're we're reviewing a documentary TV series today, so we're clearly thinking outside the box. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else before we get on to the to this review stuff? No, let's get into it. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Big Time Adolescence. This is dope. This one? Yeah. Yeah. It sort of just looks like a bunch of scribbles and dicks. When you get older, you realize that's kind of all life is. It's just a bunch of scribbles and dicks and violence I want to avoid. Zeke was my sister's ex-boyfriend. He was the man. You gotta jerk off before you go fuck a girl. I jerked off before I picked you up. So I would be prepared. I don't know where the fuck we're going tonight. And he made me feel like the man. Fuck yeah, Mo. Got a home run. Right, who's gonna drink it? Hold on, what's in that? Whiskey, beer, cough syrup, and Zanibar. Oh, damn. Oh. Oh, oh. Oh. That's my dude. 
You meet some punk and you have no idea at the time that he's going to be parked in front of your house every day for the rest of your goddamn life. Cody, you mentioned earlier this movie was originally scheduled to premiere on Hulu next week um, with all this coronavirus uh, theater shutting down stuff. Uh, that was actually moved up to today. This uh, is a Pete Davidson movie, which mm-hmm. you and I have not necessarily been fans of Pete Davidson on this podcast before. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, what did you think of Big Time Adolescence? Well, this was a movie that I had kind of jumped on my radar after it. It had a world premiere at um, at Sundance, and uh, and Hulu paid... Um, quite a quite a fair amount of money to acquire it out of Sundance. Um and so I was I was super interesting I was super interested to hear about it because um it was um you know it 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 was first and foremost a Pete Davidson uh starring vehicle which you know as you said and, and to be fair Pete Davidson hasn't done a ton of film acting most of what I've seen him in is uh you know saturday night live and just general social media type stuff um but i i was i I didn't quite get him or understand him you know seen him on a roast and stuff on comedy central and just not just didn't really get the get the appeal um and i have to say after watching big time adolescence i finally understand it in in some capacity um, so the film is, is really a, um, kind of like a coming of age movie, um, about a kid who, um, who, whose best friend is like six years older than him or whatever. Um, and, uh, and, and kind of looks up to him, but, but he's kind of a loser guy. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think that the, the, uh, the story is anything out of the ordinary in terms of, um, setup. Um, I, I think that it's really, I think that it's instantly off the bat, really, really funny. I really appreciate the sense of humor in the movie. It, it sort of reminded me in a lot of ways of the Kings of Summer. Um, a movie I, knew that you, I, love. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, did you get that vibe, vibe too? Yeah. I, I Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of figured you would say, that. I knew you, you, you're a big fan of that movie. So yeah. I, I and I think that the sense of humor about it, it's, it, there's a lot of like, um, like quick asides or um, throwaway jokes or lines or line deliveries even that are, that are pretty subversive and a little weird and, and unconventional and it's something that I really appreciated. And I think um, the, the, the main actor Griffin Gluck in the movie who plays the uh, Mo, who's the kid, I think is really good um, in the movie at, at playing this sort of um, somewhat awkward teenager um who kind of gets wrapped up into uh, a scheme uh, of, of uh, being the one who's selling drugs and alcohol at parties at the behest of Pete Davidson's character. Um, what I was surprised by is, um, is the characterization from Pete Davidson's character, Zeke, um, who, who I think is, uh, I, 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 again, it's not that much of a stretch. I feel for Pete Davidson to pay, to play like a immature stoner. Um, (laughs) but, but I, I really, I really liked the character. I I thought he was very funny in it. I think that his line deliveries are really funny. I think there's a lot of subversive stuff about that character that I enjoyed. And then I, I think at the end of the day, um, it's, uh, his, his character has an interesting arc to watch in terms of, um, you know, I, 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 I find it interesting to watch sort of like the Arrested Development 
type of character. Um, and I think that his character portrays it uh, pretty well. And, and I, and, and just kind of like the, the general um, just kind of patheticness of having a best friend that's 16 years old when you're like 24 um, th- that I really like. And I, I, I don't know. I thought, I thought, Davidson was was really good, and I I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. You know, okay, so I want to clear up my my thoughts on Pete Davidson. Um, I, I don't have a problem with him on SNL, um, though the the character in this film he's basically a slightly more uh, uh, involved version of that. Uh, I don't know what the character's name is, but the one who just says okay, like the who like gets hit on by all the like hot women. You know which character I'm talking about? I don't. Um, the last show, I last episode I remember seeing him on was the one with Jennifer Lopez. But um, if I knew the character's name, he's just kind of the like this dumb idiot that that stuff happens to, like all this good stuff happens to. And I kind of feel that way about Pete Davidson in general, based on the work that I've seen him do. Mm-hmm. Um, look, obviously, someone like Lauren Michaels sees some potential in this guy, or, or did at one time, and it's gotten to the point where. I don't think he's really delivered on it, but these things, he still keeps getting these, um, like a, a special that, that I've heard is not great mm-hmm. on Netflix. And, um, you know, then this, the, whatever autobiographical movie, um, that autobiographical movie that was supposed to premiere at South by was oh, from, Apatow. from Apatow. You know, I, I don't, having not, not seen that, I don't have any, uh, you know, I can't pass any judgment on that. But this doesn't feel like anything that's outside of his wheelhouse, and I don't think that that's really, um, you know, and I don't think his wheelhouse is really that big. I mean, it, it's he's he's playing a uh, an affable loser, um, which I I think he probably you know kind of sees himself in real life, except he's you know a multimillionaire who was <laughs> engaged to one of the most beautiful and famous women in the world a few year like a year ago. Um, but it just it just kind of stinks of the same stuff that we always get from Davidson, which is sort of low lo fi um, goofiness. I mean, there's look, I, I don't think that this movie really does a good job of conveying the fact that this guy is a loser. I, I don't think the relationship works as well as as other people think it does uh, between the kid, the main kid, uh, Griffin Gluck and, and Davidson's character, because it, it's just sort of a happenstance thing that. The, the they the way they end up as best friends is he was dating the kid's sister when he was like ten years old and he just took to him and then they became good friends or or whatever but the I I don't ever see it as being a destructive relationship as I think the the movie might want you to think it is I, I don't really understand the, the I don't really understand what's going on honestly like the kid hmm. is not a bad kid but. <coughs> Excuse me. His best friend is a stoner who's like seven years older than he is and lives in this well, shithole. And I mean, from the get go, he's like drinking with Pete Davidson's character. Like he's. It's not as if he's he's like squeaky clean. Like I mean, they sneak into the they get into the bar and he sneaks him a drink and stuff, and then they go back and he drinks the the concoction thing. So I mean, it's not as if he's squeaky clean the whole time. No, no, I know, but you know his parents are still like okay with it until, like, he gets expelled from school eventually, and it's just it doesn't it just doesn't feel real at all. It doesn't hmm. feel. I like, I don't agree with that at all. I but. just don't. I mean, 
and you know, uh, Pete Davidson's fine. Um, I think John Cryer probably has the best role uh, in the film, but it just never feels like anything makes any sense as to why this kid would be friends with this guy and why his parents would allow it, <coughs> you know, and then, um, um, yeah, I, I don't know. And I see. I, so where I disagree, I, I disagree on multiple points. Um, I, I think that Davidson, as far as the way that you described him, I think I don't I don't argue that. I think that it it works. I think it works in the context of this movie, which I think that the affable loser thing is is what the movie calls for, and I think that he does it well. And I think it's the first time he has done it well to the point where it didn't feel annoying to me. Um, but but secondly, I, I think that I had no problem buying into that because it it, it tracks with the idea that. You know, when you're that age, you think that older people are are cool, and and if you and if you're around older kids and stuff like that's the goal of everything. And he looked up to him, thinking that hanging out in a random room and playing video games all day and getting high was cool. I don't I don't think that thinking a 16 year old thinking that that's cool and something to look up to is that far fetched. But in that any but, way. but that's not something that any other normal 16 year old wouldn't be doing. Right, I mean, it, I, but but it's also the notion of being with older kids or someone who has a car who drove drove him around for six years so that he can take him places and you know different shit like that. I, I just I, I I don't I I I that's I just think that that's an interesting detail to get hung up on. All right, it just it just doesn't feel like I don't know. It feels like that the and another thing that makes it feel like we're like this is just dropping in on this. Like this kid hasn't been hanging out with him for seven years or whatever or whatever long it however long it's supposed to have been. Uh, fucking Machine Gun Kelly doesn't realize he's six, uh, 16 years old. I thought Machine Gun Kelly was really funny. <laughs> I liked Machine Gun Kelly. I mean, it. he's he comes across, like, in real life, he seems like the hugest douche, but he's funny in the movie. But the character, like, wait a minute, aren't you hanging out here literally every day? I don't understand why you would just realize this kid is 16. And then, yeah. um, there, I, look, I don't know. I, it doesn't feel, none of it feels particularly well put together to me. Uh in a way that's believable that this is a relationship that's been in place for all these years. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't dislike the movie. I just, <clears throat> and I don't dislike Davidson in it, but it just nothing, nothing feels like it's, it's even sort of on the path towards uh, the way real people would behave. Yeah, I yeah, like I said, I, I don't I don't agree on that point. I I I think that the the thing that pushed it over the edge for me is being memorable is just it's it's really um, odd and eccentric sense of humor at times. There's a really funny sight gag I think where where Davidson is texting in a kitchen and you hear someone calling off screen and then he walks off screen and he's in like a like a like a department store. I, I like like small stuff like that oh. or. Or even the, or even, um, uh, just I think Machine Gun Kelly has some great line deliveries in the movie, um, and is and is really funny. Or, or there's a, yeah, I mean I'm not gonna go through and recite dialogue, from the movie, but, I, <laughs> but I think I, I just I just found the the it, it it having a very specific sense of humor that I really appreciated. Um, and you know I there there are things that it could do better. Um, and I think that um. That that there's a few relationship elements that sort of get pushed to the side that that I think would have been interesting to explore. But that being said, I I, I really enjoyed the 
the whole uh, experience. Oh yeah, and it turns like one girl into a random whore for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, that, I don't really understand. Part. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what's your grade for this? Uh, I give it a B, a solid B. I'm gonna give it a C plus. I can't. I can't recommend it. I wasn't that enthused by it. But it is on Hulu now. If you want to watch it, so it's something new that you can't mm-hmm. see. Uh, and it is a it is a, a rated R film for language and drug use. So there's that. Yeah. Enjoy uh, your filth. Yeah, you, you fucking degenerates. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next review, McMillions. Somebody went to the FBI and said, guess what's happening? The McDonald's Monopoly game was fixed. The Bureau thought it was just some BS story. Fast food fraud was not making any list of priorities. Are you kidding me? This is what makes my fun meter go. McDonald's Monopoly game gave millions of people a chance to win. But from 1989 to 2001, there were almost no legitimate million-dollar winners. The FBI told us the game pieces are being stolen. McDonald's was shocked. Conversations on the wiretap were coming in. I'm hearing the name Uncle Jerry thrown around on the phone. We started focusing more on trying to figure out who he was. He's a freaking gangster. Uncle Jerry was getting the tickets and selling them to other people. This is a million-dollar winning ticket, and he's got it in a Ziploc sandwich bag that's not even zipped. Somebody offers you a million dollars, you're going to take it. <laughs> Unless you got to kill somebody, then you might not... And I might not be interested. This is something I've been looking forward to, Cody, um, for a while. Uh, after this, um, the original article hit uh, regarding the um, the massive um, kind of conspiracy to uh, defraud McDonald's during its Monopoly games. Mm-hmm. How n- there were no legit winners for years and years because this one guy was basically selling the winning pieces. Uh, and this... Uh, was a, I believe the first I'd heard of the of a film version was uh, supposedly optioned by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yes, uh, to turn into a fictional film. Yes, um, but this Which is I a, believe is still on the table. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. this is a documentary uh, series on HBO, a six part series, mm-hmm. which um, I'm I lessened my enthusiasm for it. Um, as it went on, but it, it premiered over the course of a month and a, or a month and a half. So um, you you got to see a few episodes early, and then we finally finished it just the last couple of days. What did you think of McMillions? Uh man, it's it's a tough thing to review. I think um, because you know when we when you say it's a six part series, um, you know, when you're talking HBO, it's a full hour per episode. So this is very literally just shy of six hours long. Um, and uh, and it's interesting because I watched the screeners of the first two episodes and I was all in on it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the first two episodes, specifically the first episode, do a really great job of creating this. Like, um, it reminded me a lot of like um, Adam McKay stuff. Um, almost like the big short and, um, and vice on some level in, in terms of, uh, it, it had a certain type of energy and look to it. Um, but then it also had a, um, like a borderline, I, I don't know if you would call it like, I don't, I wouldn't say it was like Scorsese, but, but like maybe like a Soderbergh Ocean's Eleven type heisty type vibe to it. 
Um, because there are there are some reenactments, but also just kind of the tone of everything that's going on. Well, there's that, think, the, the one agent. Um, um, what's his name? Doug Matthews. Doug Matthews, who's like a huge character in the film. Yeah, and who's who's great? Who is by far the best part of the entire series? Um, who is who is heavily prominent in that first episode and that second episode as well? Who is is kind of like this larger than life FBI or larger than life uh, FBI agent who's um, very um, out outspoken and um, and funny and, uh, and and a lot of fun to watch um, in those first couple episodes. Um, and it's set up interestingly where they're setting up sting operations and going undercover and trying to uncover what's happening and, and get information. And then in the and then it, towards the middle, it, it really starts to be weighed down um, by s- some details that not, aren't not like aren't necessarily boring, but you're you're kind of wondering if if you're starting to wonder if the series is is casting too wide of a net and telling too much story. And by episode five and six, you know that they are casting too wide of a net and telling too big of a story. Um, and I think that the, the main problem that it has in, in a lot of ways is um, it continues to introduce new characters in every episode down to like the sixth episode. And so the, the story itself is a little bit difficult to track because there's characters that show up or characters or people who show up in, um, you know, episode six that haven't been seen since episode two, you know, or, you know, Doug Matthews is a major character in those first couple episodes and then kind of slowly disappears throughout, um, throughout the series. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's just, it, it gets bogged down with, with, with a particular character, um, in this story, um, that, uh, that they spend a good chunk of two episodes on. You're talking which, about the, the, the gangster guy. Jerry right? Colombo. Jerry yeah. Colombo, like this low rent, um, you know, mafia associated guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, episodes three and four are basically all about him. Yeah. And, and it's not to say that there's not interesting stuff in those episodes. Um, I think in particular, like the stuff with, if, if he's, his brother and his wife are in it. And I, and the whole time you're watching, you're. I, I was thinking like, okay, these people know way more than, or were involved oh, yeah. way more he, than they're leading on. Well, and that the brother like leans into that shit too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're they're. I mean, this is a this is a documentary full of scumbags, uh, like of the highest order, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that guy, the <laughs> Frank Colombo, the the brother of uh, the late Jerry Colombo, are the. He's he's a, like a scumbag associate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and there, there's a lot of those low level people who are who pop up throughout, and 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 I think you know there's interesting characters throughout I, the FBI people, the people who were prosecutors. I think are are you know at least entertaining to listen to and talk about and retell the story. And the story itself is nuts. I mean, it's a nutso, insane kind of like low rent mafia scam type of story. Um, and then they start bringing in people who are tangentially involved um, as the people who are chosen as winners who had their lives affected by it. And, uh, and I think that that part is interesting to see, you know, the impact it had on their lives, although I think that it goes way – it gets way too deep in the weeds with one of them in particular, mm-hmm. um, which was the guy towards – I forget his name. Um, uh, I know who you're talking about. The 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 He's like the foster son of one of the guys yeah. that facilitated it. I, yeah. Yeah. A lot of time spent on him and the foster father. And at that point, again, you know, the most interesting part 
of the story are the guys who ran the whole operation who was uncle jerry in this case and i feel that we leave the series knowing the least about the most important character of the entire operation and uh and and that this thing could have been split in half and cut out half the characters and i think been the same or had the same impact yeah so so you mentioned this uh this character near the end this character of um he's kind of a country guy it's no it's noted that he has a ninth grade education and he's a single father him and there's a um, a woman um i think in episode three are you talking about uh, gloria the she's the friend of uh yeah. the wife of the jerry colombo mm-hmm. um it it the the movie the the documentary t- works to elicit sympathy for them for it being, treats them as victims basically right for being uh, caught up in this, um, you know, as uh, as either for, for if you believe uh, Gloria's story uh, as sort of someone who was shaken down for to do it, um, for being associated with a you know a, a low rent mobster's wife, and then uh, um, the other guy, uh, fuck, I, for, I wish I could remember his name, um, is basically kind of a happy idiot. You know, he's a, a simple mm-hmm. country guy who trusted his dirtbag land developer uh, uh, father or a foster father too much. And and, and I get it. Um, you know, I think probably the most interesting thing to come out of these um, to come out of this whole thing is just how little time everyone did associated with this. Like, it's this huge FBI investigation that 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 I was waiting waiting and it took until episode six episode five for the 9-11 bombshell to drop yeah um you know it's this huge investigation that's happening um for this white collar crime essentially uh that is uh you know like taking place in crests crests in august of 2001 and then 9-11 happens and everyone seems to forget about it but at that point, you know, the investigation was over and, and people were indicted and arrested and everything. I, I just don't think it – I think the the film lost so much momentum. The series lost so much momentum. Yeah. Um, you know, focusing two – almost two solid episodes on this Jerry Colombo guy who's been dead for damn near 20 years or at least 20 years. Well, and I think it does a con- – it, 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 it has a confusing part of, of the fact that – I think by the end when we figure out and, – and this is was actually mildly confusing to me. So so when they, there's there's a mystery behind who an informant is, and I assume the informant was the one who called the FBI to tell them to investigate, right? Yes. If, if that's the case, then Jerry Colombo had been dead for quite some time, and um, – as it, as it's stated inside the film, and it's and it's weird how it all plays out. As they investigate Jerry Colombo, even though he had been dead for a while, so I, I don't know. It just anyway continued. I just thought that that was super confusing and, and yeah, and I'm, odd manipulation. Well, it, you know, I, I think by the time we get to the end of the of the series, I've forgotten the timeline of the initial call. Yeah, because uh, I think it's they get the first notice of this sometime in the late '90s or maybe 2000s, early 2000. Um. 
you know, and, and, and from what I understand, when did Jerry Colombo die? I thought he was like died in 1998. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but he, he died in the midst of the scam still going on. And that's and, and, and that's when it transferred to that other guy. But um, but they didn't start investigating until what was it? 2001. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't know when he again, it's something that, that I'd have to look up now because I don't think the movie made the series made it clear enough. I just think it gets there's too much um too much distance between the relevant facts because there's a lot of um vamping in this documentary. Um you know there's a lot of of time being filled. Um and I don't necessarily think it's it's you know there's not there's not 6 hours worth of information in here. And I think it could have reasonably been condensed into you know, if you if they did like two ninety minute films um, or two parts of ninety minutes, like the Michael Jackson doc did, I think that would have been satisfactory, and we would have had, you know, the timeline in mind, and and because it goes like it it breaks down like the the kind of fake uh, sting operation they did as a FBI production company shooting these winners, getting their confessions on tape, and it then it goes through it again. Well, and and it's kind of amazing how how far removed from from the actual like takedown of the operation those interviews end up being in the span of the documentary. It's almost as mm-hmm. if, the span, if those interviews that they set up as a sting operation in in the when you're looking at a six hour and, and that happens in what episode one maybe or two and then they're finally yeah. all arrested and brought down in episode six. Like it's. That's a that's five hours of screen time that happen when like again the most interesting part of the story is taking place. So again, it 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 sort of gives you a lot of entertainment and drama, and then bogs you down with details and side stories and personal and personal uh, dives into um, you know players that are at the end of the day, um, a, you know, a good two hours is spent on on characters just estimating that ultimately don't really factor into the main part of the story. Again, like I said, the major player in the, in the movie is the one that is the least amount of time is spent on. I feel. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I guess, and you know, the, when it's the, the mechanics of his scheme are finally revealed, it's like, it's almost mind bogglingly simple. Yeah. Um, And you know, that's a great reveal, but you're so fucking far away from it. You're so fucking far away from, that initial story that happens in episode one that talks about the, the security measures that, that it went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, yeah, there's just too, too much here. And, and, and that's not to say that, that it, it's not enjoyable along the way. I never thought that it was excruciating by any no, means. No, I didn't either. I, I, I do want to get that straight. You know, it wasn't something that I was, you know, that was a pain to get through. It's just, you know, I'd forgotten shit that it happened, you know, it just, mm-hmm. That's just how it went because it was it happened so long ago in my time watching it. You know, I didn't sit down and watch this in a six hour block. And I don't think even then it would have been something that I would have digested well. No, I don't think so either. I, I do think that it will make a great movie. I think that the oh, yeah, the, the narrative version of this has a lot of potential, um, especially because it's sort of low rent crime, which I find interesting. Uh, in in a good uh, a good source of 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 kind of dark humor, I think. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I just kind of yeah, I I I I almost think that you could read the article. I what was it on the Daily Beast? Is the 
is the one that broke it, wasn't it? Oh man, I I, I don't remember. I know I read it um, and was enthralled by it. Um, and it it only came out like last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let's see, what was it based on? Um, uh, I have to look it up. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't very long ago that it was um, that it became it, something that that was in the kind of public eye. Um, you know, more so than it was. I don't really remember when it happened. I don't remember it being a big deal. Um, but you know, I was you know in uh, well, I think high I think school the, or college. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of uh, there were there were a lot of details behind it that came out during when that article was was written. Um, and and I and you know I I, I what I really hope is that the narrative version still happens. Um. Yeah, and uh, it was the Daily Beast. Yeah, okay, and it was probably what two thousand. It was published in uh, July twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah, I knew it wasn't because I remember. I remember the day it came out, and I remember I was at work, and I read it all in one sitting, and I just like was like, "Oh my god, this is insane!" <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And I almost think that it packs a bigger punch when you read about it in article form instead of seeing it sprawled out over six hours. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I I would watch it again. Like just the Doug Matthews pieces because I think he's great in it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I still would probably say, I, God, I don't know because I, I would be tempted to say it is worth a watch, but also it's a huge time investment that I don't know justifies, you know, the the amount of time that's spent on it. Hey, yeah, I just you know, and I may be a little too close to it right now because I was frustrated with how slow it moved uh during during the during the sh- during the show uh during the you know subsequent airings because it wasn't you know it would end on these cliffhangers which fine but you know they weren't really necessarily like i, I don't know it just it just felt drawn out to me it, it felt like there was too much uh spread across too long of a time like if it maybe this was like uh you know this aired like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, two weeks in a row, or something like that. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, some way to compress this timetable would would be welcome, and I don't think that I don't think it deserved or needed all six hours to tell the story that it told. But um, yeah, I agree. And I and by the way, I was just I was just seeing that um, that that as recently as March fifth, Affleck did a an interview, um, I guess for the way back, saying that the movie's still in development and they just got a new draft of the script. So, um, it, it looks like uh, it, that's still happening. I know that at one point it was being written by um, uh, the guys who do Deadpool and um, oh, yeah. Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, and um, and I think Matt Damon was going to be in the movie. Um, but uh, I, I hope it happens. I because I, I think it's a really super weird and crazy movie um that i would like to see um told in a more condensed format yeah all right what's your grade for this oh man that's a tough question i guess i'm gonna go b minus yeah i think i'm in the same boat too i mean i think the the topic is really interesting i just wish the delivery was was tighter uh yeah I mean, this is right up my alley, McDonald's shit. But <laughs> it, I, it, it, yeah, it's just so so long. But that that is streaming. Uh, all six parts are streaming right now on HBO Go or HBO. Uh, what's the other one? Now HBO Now. 
Uh, not to be confused with HBO Max. Which, or HBO On Demand. On Demand or uh, just regular old HBO. Um, I'm still confused as to what HBO Max is exactly going to be. It's weird uh, branding considering everything that's supposed to be there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, who the fuck knows? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know uh, how that's going to go. I, I assume sometime between uh, now and Wednesday there will be some kind of, I imagine, release that, there, you know, some limited release that people are going to start putting up on VOD or something like that. I, I just, I truthfully, I feel like the next week, in particular, is going to be even more of a lockdown. I was just reading that the governor of Ohio shut down all bars and restaurants as of 9 p.m. tonight So, uh, for the entire <laughs> state of Ohio. So uh, yeah. I, f- I feel like maybe we're uh, headed in for a bit of a uh, an interesting next couple of months. Yeah, well, fun times. Um, anyway, but hey, if you want to... Well, I, and, and also, you know, re-MCU... Uh, you know, now that everything, all those movies are on Disney Plus too. Um, um, even if we don't do a lot on this show, I feel like uh, we have a good chance to really kick that into high gear and do maybe backlog some episodes and, and stuff. Since we and since we know uh, people aren't busy, we can get some guests. Oh yeah, that's a good, yeah. I've been seeing multiple people pop up on Twitter, being like, "Hey, if you need a podcast guest, come on." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. If you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. Find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook Cinesnob Critic. Um, yeah, you can listen to our other podcast, ReMCU. We'll be doing Captain America very soon. Um, you're still doing the letterbox thing, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I haven't been uploading uh, my South by Southwest stuff because I'm still, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to put ratings on them or just log them. Um, but everything else should be caught up to date. And I've, I'm up to like 40 something movies with South by Southwest this year. So, oh, look at uh, you. yeah, and I was going for a new record and then now all the movies have disappeared. So <laughs> I uh, I'm, you know, despite my best efforts, I'm probably going to come up a little bit short this year. I wanted to try to do 200 movies this year, but, uh, I don't know how that's going to look. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've got another uh, Hard Times article coming soon. Um, mm. I know it's uh, finished uh, and a picture's been applied, but I'm not sure when it's running. So you can find me on the Hard Times. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm liking the pop culture stuff they're letting me turn out. So uh, it's fun. Um, also, um, uh, what else do we have? Oh, nothing else. That's right. Nothing else is happening in the world. So. No, we're pretty much focused on one thing here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything else before we uh, go back into quarantine? Nope. I'm putting my mask on back. uh, (laughs) uh, I messed that up. Uh, Well, it was 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 an old joke anyway. (laughs) All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Vivania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.